Hey, it's Kathy. I'm just hopping in real quick to tell you that the doors are closing to the Abundance Method program today. That's right. May 16th, four o'clock Pacific time, we close the doors to this program. And I'm so excited to watch you change your life. I'm so excited to see what happens when you tap into the energy that is within you and you start to attract so much into your life and there's incredible synchronicity and you start to perceive what was always here in plain sight and that which was hidden becomes revealed. If you want to join us, you can go to kathyheller.com slash join. And remember, those of you who sign up for the Platinum, you get the retreat included. It's going to be an incredible retreat. It's a three-day experience. You can choose between July or October and the July is definitely filling up. So come on in and join us. Again, the doors close at four o'clock Pacific today. You can sign up at kathyheller.com slash join. I cannot wait to spend 12 weeks with you and watch you become a master at manifesting the most gorgeous experiences and opportunities and abundance into your life. Thanks to NetSuite, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform, giving you the visibility and control you need to grow. NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com slash dreamjob. Also, thanks to ShipStation. Take the hassle out of the holiday shipping this year. Let ShipStation help you handle it all with ease. Use code dreamjob to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no hassle, stress-free holiday shipping. Hey, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. So the other day I posted one of my friend Emily McDowell's amazing posts and she wrote, if you need me, I'll be over here Marie Kondoing my identity, which I love so much, right? Emily, you're just so amazing. But I really felt that one. After going to onsite a couple of weeks ago, I realized how often we all walk around with these false selves. We want to please, we want to be impressive, we want to be entertaining, we want to feel worthy. And I know for myself, I just have spent so many years working so hard to be what I think everyone wants me to be. I think it's been a survival skill. I think we all do that to a certain degree in different ways. And, you know, it's funny, like if you look at animals in the wild, they also do that. Like whenever they feel like they're in danger, they find a way to either blend in or make themselves appear bigger than they actually are. And it's just so exhausting to spend so much energy on this persona. I realize it's just way easier and a more enjoyable way of life to just be myself and stop trying to earn it all the time. And I also learned something huge recently I was reading Donald Miller's book. Donald Miller's amazing. We'll, we'll try to have him on. But he said something in the book. He was talking about this exact thing. And he said, you know, when it comes to love, if it's actually really love, it's not something you can earn anyway. If it's really love, love is something that can only be given. And I was just like, wow. So wouldn't it be nice if we all woke up tomorrow and 
we were all brave enough to be our authentic, broken, beautiful selves. If we could just get rid of these like shiny exteriors and be real. I know it takes a lot of courage, but, but maybe that's like the coolest thing that we can do for ourselves. Maybe that's the best gift we give ourselves this holiday. So speaking of holidays, we're going to New York City. We're actually staying in Greenwich, Connecticut for about a week, and then we will be in New Jersey, and then we will be in New York City. I'm doing a book signing in Montclair, New Jersey on Sunday, December 29th at 4 p.m. So if you're going to be in the New York area, Montclair is only about 25 minutes from New York City, and it's so beautiful there. Um, so if you're anywhere nearby come. There's still space available. Um, we do have an event bright link. It's a free event, but since space is limited, we'd love for you guys to RSVP and I'll put the link in the show notes. And there's, I'll also put the link in the don't keep your day job Facebook group. So looking forward to seeing who's ever around in the New York area to meet me in New Jersey, Sunday, the 29th at 4 PM. Also, we're doing a huge giveaway. We're giving away a thousand dollar target gift card for the holidays. And, um, you can find out how to enter that. If you go to my Instagram at Kathy.heller, Kathy's with a C, you'll see a post that has a really cute photo of a cat. It's like a mugshot. And in the photo, it says, I knocked over the Christmas tree. It's really cute. Anyway, in that photo with the cat's mugshot, it tells you how to enter the giveaway, but it's super simple to enter. All you have to do is leave a review for the podcast. And if you want a second entry, you can buy my book for a friend or a family member for the holidays. And if you already left a review or you already just recently bought a book for a friend for the holidays, you could just send us a screenshot of your review, send us a screenshot of, um, of the book that you bought. Either one, you get an extra entry for buying a book. You could enter just by leaving a review for the podcast. In any case, uh, we will be taking entries until the 23rd and then we will announce a winner. But in addition to the one winner who will get a thousand dollar gift card to Target, Everyone who enters, I will be thanking you personally and then also giving you a shout out in my Insta stories. So just thanks for being you. I thought it's the holidays. Like, how can we just make this over the top awesome? So come on over and enter the giveaway. Also, another fun thing we're doing for you guys is we really want to celebrate your wins and all the cool things that happened during 2019. We're going to do an entire episode where we're just really celebrating you guys and featuring you and talking about your Etsy shop or your website or your new business or the play you wrote or whatever it is. So if you want to be a part of that, you can either email us hello at don'tkeepyourdayjob.com and let us know like how you've taken action and what's been going on with your dreams and your pursuits, or you can record a voice memo into your phone and you could email us that voice memo with the subject line 2019 win. And we can actually play the recording of you sharing that on the episode. So if you want to send in a voice memo or you want to just email us either way, we will do a whole roundup of you guys because you deserve to be celebrated. All right. So let's get into today's show because I'm so excited about our guest today. Her name is Angela Santamero. She's amazing. She's the co-creator, executive producer, and head writer for a little show you probably heard about called Blue's Clues. She's also the creator, executive producer, and head writer for a few other shows, including Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood and Super Y, which are on PBS, Amazon Studios Creative Galaxy and Wish and Poof, and Charlie's Chloroform City on Netflix. And just last month, her new show, Blue's Clues and You, premiered. She just keeps turning out one incredible show after another, and 
It's just amazing. Angela is a Peabody Award winner, Emmy Award winner, and 30-time Emmy nominee. If that wasn't enough, she's also the CCO of Nine Story Media Group, which distributes and produces over 100 different TV shows across platforms, including Nick, Disney, Netflix, Apple, Amazon Prime, PBS, and so many more. She's also an author. Her books include Preschool Clues and Radical Kindness, The Life-Changing Power of Giving and Receiving, which we're going to get into because there's some really beautiful messages in there. She's so passionate about her work and it's so inspiring to see someone really step into their life's calling, taking it to the masses and ultimately changing the world one person at a time. So without further ado, please welcome the very kind, very generous, brilliant Angela Santomero. Angela, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's just such a pleasure. And as I told you before we hit record, I have three little girls, three years old, six and eight. So I've definitely been um, a fan of your work for a long time. I feel like a television addict because I'm like, oh my God, I watch all of her shows. It's so impressive that you've not only, you know, been successful by all the standards, but you're creating work that's really doing lots of good and touching hearts and making humans feel more, more whole. So Let's go back a little bit. I know that there's a lot of people in our audience who would love to write a children's book, create a television show, and you've done so many things. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about your story and how you even got there? Yes. So I kind of came through the back door um, when it came to production and creating a show. I have a master's in child developmental psychology Mm. and instructional technology and media. So I essentially wanted to teach. And the idea of teaching through media was always fascinating to me. Yeah, Uh, You can reach millions of kids, right? At one time, if you can put the very best curriculum, preschool curriculum on television, right? Could you do that? And I was of the Mr. Rogers generation. And so I was that kid who, right? Like I could not sit any closer to the TV when he was on, right? So I tell the story of of meeting him all the time because he was just such an impactful person in my life. And so that was a dream, right? And that kind of dream, you don't really say out loud, like I want to do what Mr. Rogers did, but that was what was in the back of my head. And so I think for me, I started at Nickelodeon in the research department. I did an internship, the internship turned into a position in the research department in Nickelodeon. And what was so interesting about that was I got that bird's eye view of how the business of television is made, um, how decisions are made, um, what kids want, because there was a big, Jerry Laybourne was the president at the time. Mm -hmm. um, And there was a big push for research to talk to parents, to talk to kids and to know uh, what they want, but nobody would talk to the little ones. And um, I was just like, get out of the way. I want to get in there. So I would moderate the focus groups with the preschoolers so that we would play and I would get to know what they were really looking for. You know, I respected mm-hmm. this age group so much. And I just think because of my point of view as a research geek and as an educator, and I really had a different point of view when it came to making TV and making media. Yeah. And it was very different for Nickelodeon. And so that's how my in started. And then because I was, I'm one of those people who observes for a long time before I really jump in. And so I really kind of knew what Nickelodeon was looking for with regard to the next step for preschoolers for TV. And so I was able to answer those questions for them. Which oh turned my into gosh. <laughs> and you just say, and which turned into blues clues. Oh my gosh. Okay. So incredible that you First of all, that you knew that you had this awareness that you wanted to do this thing since you were a kid. And then 
you find yourself working here, you know, at a place where maybe you could start to see the boots on the ground, putting those things together, but then you you say, and then I, I, I had an answer for like what might work. And you're like, and then I created Blue's Clues. And you say it just like that, you know, but it's such a big thing. Like, how did you come up with the idea for Blue's Clues? And like, so many people want to come up with ideas for shows and they think they can do it. And it's not as easy as it looks. So how was all that born? Well, you know, the first thing I think is understanding, like being in it, being anywhere in production of media, right? Whether it's in the business of TV, like being at a big corporation like Nickelodeon or being boots on the ground, as you say, like being in the scripting room, being somewhere, right? So that you know if you love it or you hate it or what it means, right? To be able to do this kind of thing. That's the first thing I tell people, like just get a job anywhere, you know, in this world. And when I look back, even my first job, um, was at FAO Schwartz, you know, like I was always in the kids world. I was a camp counselor. Like I was always doing these kinds of things with kids. And so um, that's the first thing. And the second thing is zagging when everyone is zigging, right? So, or vice versa. So for Blue's Clues, um, we knew that that Nickelodeon wanted a game show, right? Because Double Dare was really big and I'm oh, yeah. an educator. And so I had to sneak in, I wanted to sneak education in to what a game show would look like for preschoolers. And the way in which to do that would be to have the kids at home be those contestants, right? Like in yep. some way. So if you yep. think of Blue's Clues that way, if you know it well enough, right? You're, the kids at home are leaning in and answering questions. And then I'm scaffolding those questions to make it a little harder. So my favorite part of the story that I tell is I failed miserably the first three times I went in to say, okay, I would be in the room with people pitching as a um, research consultant and I would roll my eyes because I always say it's because I'm from Jersey and I've got this chutzpah and I'd be like, oh, <laughs> this is awful. Like, this idea is just so bad. And so finally the head of Nickelodeon was like, McJr was like, well, what would you do? And I was like, hold on a minute. Um, and so I wrote a research report because that's what I knew, an academic <laughs> research report on how to educate kids through media. And she was like, this is lovely but this is not a television show. And I'm like, you're right. And so I would go back and then I would create something else. And she'd be like, this is closer, but it's not a television show. Um, And so I kept going back to create, okay, here are the characters. Here's what the setting would look like, you know, just kind of answer the questions that she would want and then had to literally write the way in which the characters would be speaking to the, you know what I mean? Like literally Uh write a little bit more of what the idea was so that it would come to life. And it came to life in such a way that she said, okay, it was step-by-step. I'm going to pair you with a director who has done this before. You're going to find a producer who had done this before, who ended up becoming my best friend, the voice of blue, the one who co-created the whole show with me, right? Like a designer by trade, like gorgeous animation is what she created. And so we partnered together. And in eight weeks, the two of us came up with what Blue's Clues is today, right? Like literally taking the concepts and the ideas and the point of view and furthering it out. And what's interesting about Blue's Clues is the pacing is so slow that Tracy, I would write and Tracy would draw little storyboard sketches of what the characters would do so that people would, um, executives at the network would understand how the show would play out so that it wasn't, because it was so different, right? Than what they were used to. Yeah, that's amazing. And then- What's even more awesome is that you guys go and do it and it worked and then it lasts for so long. What do you think it was that really made it click with the audience and what made it actually stand the test of time? 
I love that question. You're giving me the chills. I I think the first thing I want to say is that imposter syndrome is so real that I feel like I was proving myself. Um, I can't talk for my whole team, but I was proving myself with every episode, with every season. We never rested on our laurels until it was over. And then after you do something like a blues clues, right? Like the feeling that you could ever do it again, right? Or do another show. Like every time I write a script, like anytime I do anything, I'm like, everyone's going to hate it, you know, and I can't do it. So like, there (laughs) is that sense where I keep telling my kids to be in the moment and live in that moment. If there's anything I learned from that is loving that moment, right? So the truth is it was like that. It was that sense of like, okay, well, here's a pilot you can do, right? And so my ammunition or like my secret sauce was knowing preschoolers. And so I would go in, like, I was like, I'm going to make sure this works. So I would fail in front of preschoolers as Tracy Mm. and I would perfect the concept, perfect the script. So we were going back to kids and preschool teachers and educators consistently through the process. So I knew how much kids were reacting to the show before we got it to the pilot episode. And one of my favorite moments of the pilot episode or two of them would be We'd go into a focus group, which is what I used to do, right? When I was in research, now I'm on the other side and I'm the producer and I'm watching them test my show idea and put it up against the other show to see who, which show is going to be on TV. But anyway, parents were coming in and saying, this is VHS times. They were saying, we will give you $500. We will give you $1,000. I need to keep this tape. My kid is watching it over and over and over again. And we were like, no, you can't have it. Because it's not on TV yet, but like we knew it was already and kids were just like losing their minds. And so we were watching kids really interact. And then I'm in a meeting with 50 people at Nickelodeon and they're all discussing what's going to happen next. And they just go crazy over Blue's Clues. And I got a bird's eye view of listening to what that sounds like, right? When an entire company can get behind a show and then you're like, okay, now I have to make this. And so the first season of Blue's Clues was 19, we were writing it in 1995. And, and if you watch it now, or when I, li- I laugh, when I think about it, we did everything we could just in case they never let us make another episode oh ever. God. So we were giving kids everything that they needed. And that was it. We were just such a little family, um, such a close knit family of 80 people wow. at the time for 10 years. So it was really a fun ride and it was hard. Incredible. You're constantly creating the episodes. I just want to highlight two things because it's so visceral. I just have to say it. One is... You are so humble and it's so beautiful. I I have to say that that's got to be another reason why the show was so successful because at its core, to have a person like that as a showrunner, it's very unusual and it's a really big gift. So I'm just really feeling that. I just had to share that with you. That's number one. And the second thing I just want to say is that the reason that was such a great answer is because we've had so many awesome people on the show and they wind up all saying a version of the same thing, which is that in order for business, in order for anything to be successful, it has to have at its core radical empathy. The fact that you said you were like taking it to the front lines and going into preschoolers and already testing it, that makes so much sense that you're not like, yeah, we're just going to like cross our fingers and hold our breath and, and take it to air $400,000 an episode later to see if it worked. It's like, no, exactly. I've already tested it. That's so smart. Do you, do you think that people get that? I don't know. I just remember thinking like, I have to do this. You know, that moment where you're like, yeah. I can't go back 
to what I was doing before because this has to work. Yeah. Um, and I was so passionate about, yeah, we're spending four, are you kidding me? $400,000 an episode? Kids will, and this is what I say now to my team, it's like kids literally need to be better off for watching this episode of this show than doing anything else. Yeah. Because A, we're spending this much time, effort, money, and B, this is a responsibility we have as for making media for, for preschoolers or for kids in general, right? If they could be digging a hole and that is going to be way better than watching the show, they better go dig that hole, right? And so we haven't done our job. So I don't understand people who either have an ego when they do research yeah. um, or people who don't even do research to think about how this, like, I don't care if everyone in the room is laughing, right? At a joke. Like if my four-year-olds don't think it's funny, then it's out. Like we don't, we don't use it. Like there's no reason, you know? So anyway, so I agree with you to me, it's an insurance policy. It's also back to the roots of like why we do what we do. You know, one of my favorite moments of loose quiz is that we have been so geeky, but we have a longitudinal study that was done by the university of Alabama to prove that kids scored better on kindergarten readiness skills um, and standardized tests than uh, kids who didn't watch the show. And I was that like, okay, amazing. we did our job. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> um, I want to ask you a sort of offshoot question for people who are listening right now who really want to do good work and they're makers and they want to make their own show. In today's climate, and you've made, and we'll, we're going to talk about it in a minute, but you've made so many other successful shows and you also now are CCO of a, of a whole conglomerate of, of so many other shows. So you really, really know this world. My question is for people in today's landscape, would you say if you want to make a show, test it first and then start seeing if you can create an audience on YouTube or on your own platform, IGTV or whatever, or would you say get in line and try to get yourself a pitch meeting. And that is still the tried and true way to wind up with a show on the air. God, no, I think that being a creator today is so different. The idea that you can get what you want to say out to the world in any capacity, utilizing YouTube, yeah. podcast, right? If you have something to say, we have an opportunity now to say it and you don't have to wait for someone at a network to tell you whether or not they like your idea or not, right? Because they have a whole other reason of why they might pick something up or not. And so I'm constantly meeting with young people and, you know, every age really, but it's mostly and I, young people might like, go find your team that can do what you don't do, get together and make it, like just make it. And yeah. that's, you know, that's what's happening right now, right? It's, it's so exciting to see. Yeah, and I love that you have have that perspective that's it's so true it's amazing what can be created yeah absolutely i don't think anything should ever stop you and i would i should say like when you do partner with a company like ours at nine story there's a ton of resources that we can bring to a concept and expertise and you know all the networks that we work to of course that we can do that but all I would say is what people say about me, right? No is just a, is another way to yes. Like I am, you know, we get so many pitches that <laughs> if that. someone ever says no, it's like, all right, just like take another path and just figure out another way, yeah. you know? But if somebody was to come to you and they had not already proven the concept by creating a following around it as a mini series or something on the web, would you say, oh, come back to us when you know that you have a proof of concept or do you take pitches sometimes just based on the quality of the pitch and say, we're going to make it? Yeah, just based on the quality of the pitch sometimes. And it's about the talent. I always say it's really about the talent. It's who I want to work with. 
Um, and that doesn't mean that they're a known entity. It's just that passionate person who is open to all the ways that we need to do to get it done, whether it's partnering with a writer or partnering with a designer or doing, you know, like when I go back to the day of me again, like, you know, not having an ego to be like, okay, I'm going to do this by myself. It's like, no, I, there's a team when yep. it comes to making something really great. And it's more about what you want to say and how it goes out in the world. And as long as somebody has that innovative way to look at things, has an interesting idea that hasn't, that's a leader that hasn't been done and is open to how we need to develop and get it to the market, then yeah, I, I've done that as well. I picked up those kinds of ideas. That's amazing. And you guys, I want to remind you, not only has Angela been so successful with Blue's Clues, but she was also creative executive producer, head writer for Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, which I think I know every single episode and we have the sheets and we have the clothes and um, also super Y, which we also, I could sing you the theme song right now. Um, also creative <laughs> galaxy and wish and poof, which is such a cute show. And I, all of the, I mean, I'm literally, you've been, you've been making my life easy is what you've been doing. Cause I have three little kids and this is I what goes it. on in my house. So because you have all of this experience and now you're sitting in that seat as CCO of nine story where you are listening to pitches, as you just said, one of the things you look for is talent. What else sets a pitch apart when somebody is thinking of like, oh, I want to create something? Because you see so many things. I, I would imagine there's no idea you haven't heard at this point. So what makes it stand out? Well, two things I need to, I need to backtrack two things. One is Charlie's Color Form City is also on Netflix. Um, oh yeah, we is, watched that too. Uh, I didn't even have that on my, on my show. The second That's thing so cool. I wanted to say was Daniel Tiger is a complete labor of love because of my love for Fred Rogers. So that was another like complete and utter love, love project and totally with something to say, right? Promoting Fred's legacy was the goal. And I am so proud that there's a movie and a doc, Tom Hanks movie and a documentary and all of these, these things about Fred because that back in the day was the goal of Daniel Tiger, in addition to bringing that socio-emotional curriculum it's to preschoolers so that Fred was it known for. so special. Um, like literally I said to the team, like, this is the one, like we care so much about it, but this is the one where you're going to get to watch it grow to this other level, the way that we were watching Blues Blues grow. Like it was so much fun to see that, you know, and when it you is. see people loving what you're, what you're doing. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. And then my daughter hopes sings on Wish and Poof. So I needed to say that. Oh, <laughs> She's I love the voice of Bianca. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so in terms of pitches, really what I'm, what we're looking for is to be the leaders in all kids, family media. So basically we're always answering a question. What are people looking for? What's the world need now? Why this show? Why now? We're answering a question you might be Googling, you know, yeah. right now there's a lot of um, emphasis on, we haven't cracked it yet, but emphasis on anxiety, right? And mindfulness and being seen and being heard and what could we do in the media that could solve for that, right? So we're looking for things like that. Yep. We're looking for things that empower kids, right? Things that, you know, want we want every kid to see themselves in media. So what's an idea that like, and not, we don't have to do it in one show, but the idea that that's, that this is a taking a chance. This is something yeah. that's a little different. This is something that's going to make you lean in. And so those are the kinds of ideas that really catch our, catch our eye. This is such a good conversation. Before we go on, let's just take a quick ad break. The holidays are right around the corner, which means we're all in the mood for shopping. I know a lot of you sell your handmade scarves or jewelry or art prints online, and you have to be able to ship orders out quickly, efficiently, and affordably. 
But how do you keep track of all those orders or decide which shipping carrier to use? How do you know if you're getting the best rates? Luckily, ShipStation can help. With just a few clicks, you'll be managing orders, printing labels, and getting those products out the door and delivered in time for the holidays. When I talk to some of you who are creators, I find that a common question is, how do I manage all the orders on my Etsy shop and my website? And what if I want to sell on Amazon? I'm so overwhelmed. Well, whether you're selling on any of those other platforms, ShipStation makes all your orders into one simple interface that makes them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. Also, ShipStation works with all the major carriers like USPS, FedEx, and UPS, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customers. When my friend Jenny Goldfarb was here a couple weeks ago, who just won Shark Tank, she was talking about the vegan corned beef business that she started. She was talking about how she uses ShipStation and she loves it. You can take the hassle out of the holiday shipping this year. Let ShipStation help you handle it all with ease. Just use my offer code DREAMJOB to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no-hassle, stress-free holiday shipping. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in DreamJob. That's ShipStation.com. Enter offer code DreamJob. ShipStation. Make ship happen. One thing I've learned as an entrepreneur is that if you don't know your numbers, then you don't know your business. And this can be super hard when you're trying to track sales, accounting, inventory on different systems. It just becomes a huge mess. And ultimately, this hurts your business. And that's why I love NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform giving you the visibility and control you need to grow. NetSuite manages sales, finance, and accounting orders and HR instantly right from your desktop or phone. It's such a convenient tool. No more wasting your time and money, and you can say goodbye to those unnecessary headaches. That's why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. And right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com slash dreamjob. That's netsuite.com slash dreamjob to download your free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits netsuite.com slash dream job. I have to ask you because you've done so much and the fact that you are working in this capacity as CCO of this company, I'm like, she doesn't have to work. She doesn't have to do anything. She could just be like gardening or hanging out with friends. Like what keeps you so passionate that you want to do this work? You've already done so much. Yeah, you know, it is, it is kind of, I don't know if you, <laughs> I don't know what you would think about this, but like my um, hobby is to be writing, you know what I mean? Like that's my, like coming that's up awesome. with ideas and trying to make the world a better place is what I do when I'm off, you know, like that's what I want to be doing when I'm not playing, you know, with the kids or, you know, doing that kind of stuff. It's like, that's where I'm always thinking and wanting to ideate, right. And work in a team with really interesting people. And that's really what kind of gets me up in the morning. Right. And I just think that it's legacy building, right. It's like, all I want to do is get other people um, the opportunity that I had and to continue to grow that team that we have here. And creatively, I still believe we have so much work to do. There's so much more television, media, whatever content for kids, but I still don't love most of it. Right. So there's still work we need to do. That really just literally gave me chills because you're right. It is a legacy. And it's like, this isn't a job. Like you're like, no, this is my life's work. Like this is how I show up as Angela in the world. Like this is me. It's really so purpose driven and that must feel so rewarding and you must feel so congruent. Like you are in alignment. This is your role in this world. And so incredible. That is so powerful and so rare and beautiful. Thank you. I don't know if I ever, if I ever stopped to think of it that way, but thank you for saying that. That's amazing. And it is really 
amazing. Like I feel like if somebody does one thing that's huge, you're like, wow. But then the fact that you've done it over and over and over and over again, as I don't even get it. It's kind of like, I think you're a genius. You know, I think that that's fair to say. So that's just true. I'm not being nice. Um, so you said that you were friends with Fred Rogers. How did that happen? So Blue Schools premiered and I would constantly talk to press about being inspired by Fred Rogers yeah. and the level of pacing that, that his show had and how much he knew preschoolers. And that I always thought that he literally didn't get the credit that he deserved for the level of work that he did, right? Mm-hmm. Sesame Street was very splashy and I love Sesame Street. I'm not... There's nothing about that, but Fred, what Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood did for me as a child was that kind of inspiration that I used for Blue's Clues. And so the transitional devices of skidooing, I used to talk about, you know, taking reference from the trolley and, you know, formal features of, you know, starting in the home and just a place of comfort and talking directly to camera. Like there were definitely things where I was making sure that everybody knew that Fred was that inspiration. And so he had heard that and he watched the show. Um, which I didn't know that he had watched Blue's Clues. And I had gone to an event where he was honored. And the head of that event said, I know how you feel about Fred Rogers. I'm sitting you at his table. And I was like, oh, oh my God. Um, and I could not, like, I couldn't eat. I couldn't do yeah, anything. And I no. went over it. And I was like, I, I just, you know, the whole reason I wanted to control the selfishness because of you. And I just thought that I can reach one child the way that you, t- you know, reached me. And he was like, what's your name? Oh. Uh, and we started over and he invited me to his set. Um, and when I told him I did was because he, he, his eyes lit up and his team had had him watch it. And he said he didn't like much of what's on television, but he really, he really liked Blue's Clues. He saw the child developmental theory in Blue's Clues. And of course, that's all I needed to hear. I was just like, oh my gosh, I can I got to go right now. Just to reliving this. Even, oh my I God. Like, I know. Uh, it's just like, ah. Um, and he invited me to set and I got to watch him do that, you know, the, the open scene and like being in singing that it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood in real time. And I remember everybody saying, I'm so sorry that we're not shooting the neighborhood of make believe. I'm like, are you kidding me? What is this the part that I want to see? <laughs> right. Um, and, I, and everyone was like, Oh my God, Blue Blues is here. Blah. And I was like, Shh, I'm trying to listen. Fred is talking to me. Um, And so then that's when we started talking more about the media today and children's television and what he, you know, could he animate the show and like just different things like that. We would talk a little bit. And then when he died, um, his team said, you know, he, you know, he really would trust you to to promote his. Oh my God. That is such an honor. Right. And that's how Daniel Tiger was born. It was like, that's how I, what I mean about like, it's such a special love project. And I remember not wanting to give that first script out. And one of his producers said to me, it's not like Fred is going to read it. And I was like, I don't know. He might read it, but you don't know that. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to go back to where does this come from in you? Cause it's, it's so unrelenting. Like the why is so strong. I'm imagining there's a really big reason. Oh my, that's such a great, great question. I do write about in Radical Kindness, that idea that I feel like, you know, I grew up in a really chaotic, loud Italian family. Um, And so I did feel seen. I literally wrote about feeling seen with Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I think like a lot of us who love the show, you Mm -hmm. really felt felt seen and I needed to be talked to in that respectful way that, you know, knew I was smart and had 
you know, an understanding for literally what I could handle, what I, you know, we were literally having a conversation. That's how it felt. And so that feeling of wanting that throughout my whole life, I think, um, needing that, right, is important, was important to me. And I think Blue's Clues does a lot of that, right, which is literally trying to tell kids that, you know, when you use your mind and take a step at a time, you can do anything that you want to do, which I know is a hard concept for right now, because you also have to work really hard. But the idea that you're putting in the effort is really important and that you're seen. So, you know, I'm sure there's more to that um, in terms of having to constantly prove yourself, wanting to be liked, you know, like all of those things where you're never quite outside of high school. Um, I don't know, like, but I think that's part of it, right? Where you just, I just needed that that I needed to be seen as well. I think that's a big piece of it. Yeah, it's really amazing. And now you're giving that to one kid at a time. And I'm curious from a curriculum perspective, what are some of the lessons you feel like even adults can learn that you really feel like you're trying to teach? Like how do we practice being vulnerable and messy and trusting and learning that we're safe, like all of that, just giving yourself permission to dream, giving yourself permission to feel, giving yourself permission to express what you feel. I think that we have cut ourselves off for so long from our actual self. And I know that this is so much of what you help kids to do. So can you give us a lesson? Like, how do we learn to do that? I think uh, there I have two answers for that. One is I'm always saying that even adults can learn from kids TV or kids media because there's so yeah, many Daniel Tiger lessons, right? That yeah. we could we could be taking to deal with our anger, to deal with our sadness, yeah, right? Yeah. And then in the motivation behind writing radical kindness was to give some of those life lessons for adults, right? And so that feeling of breaking through the armor and feeding that inner child, right? And literally swinging what it feels like to swing on a sling again or running barefoot in the grass, like little tiny things that people will tell you but that truly speaks to that inner child in you. Like if you literally liked to paint and have never picked up a paintbrush since preschool, it's like, go get a paintbrush. You know, like there's so many little things that we need to do. And I think becoming a parent really helps us to, to kind of have an excuse to go back and yeah. do some of those things. And totally. if the more you can play, the more you're, you know, you're accessing that level of sensitivity and care and compassion. And I talk about, the benefit of the doubt and also changing the voices that are inside your head oh as a strategy, God. right? Because totally. we all have voices from somewhere and we need to change those to be the kind voices that we speak to our, our best friend about. So it's those kinds of things that I talk about, about just little by little, just taking that armor and trying to peel away at it, right? And I think it's it's not easy, especially depending on what life has brought us. Yeah. But I do think being more wonder, having more wonder, more curiosity and trying to do what you want, you know, to have that level of playfulness that you want um, that will help ignite that in you. Basically, It's so true. And I'm glad you segued into it because I do want to talk about this book. And what's interesting to me is that the book is Radical Kindness. And then it says the life-changing power of giving and receiving. And then the book is about these small actions to achieve a more fulfilled, happy, successful life. But the subtitle is the life-changing power of giving and receiving. So how does giving and receiving connect to our inner child and the steps to a fulfilling, successful life? 
I think we spend so much of our time giving as an adult, right? Um, to our kids, to our spouses, there's so much. And the act of receiving is really hard for us sometimes, oh, most of us, God, right? Yeah. And like that imposter syndrome is all about that too, right? In so many ways, it's like even receiving praise. Like I, the first thing, if someone says, you know, oh, I like your boots, I'm like, I got them on sale, you know? Like it's yeah, like yeah. the first thing you say is, <laughs> you know, bring it back down. But, um, you know, it's hard. And I think the idea um, of realizing that it's a gift and it's a bonding moment and it really does help to fulfill you it fills you up is a really important thing and and you know the idea of kindness and the kindness curriculum and literally scaffolding kindness in, in every one of my shows I just don't talk about it you know and so PBS was actually the first Linda Semensky was like that's in that is the first person to say that to me and do you have research on that and I was like yeah I do because I have research on all of that stuff and so to write it down for adults to turn it around was really empowering for me and really interesting to be able to get out and talk to adults about it because it is what we try to give our kids to try to solve problems through looking at things from a different perspective right because we don't want them to solve their conflicts with screaming and yelling and doing right and that's what we do as an adult so we're just literally trying to turn it around where sometimes the kindness is not necessarily just being nice it's literally doing what's best in that situation for you and for the other person so it's that both of those pieces the yin the yang the giving the receiving that's so beautiful um just to sort of like go deeper into this idea, I'm just curious, like what does radical kindness mean to you? What's your definition of radical kindness? You know, it's sometimes it hurts a little bit to be kind in some ways. And I'm not saying to say something that's not nice, but it's like literally having to say no sometimes to something because you're not, you're not feeling great or saying, you know, it's, it's that giving an EpiPen, like if you didn't know what you were doing and you just saw somebody do that, you'd be like, what is, you know, what are you doing? That seems awful, right? It's that analogy of like, it's literally life-saving. It's telling somebody that it's not, this is not the right job for them, but there is a bigger passionate reason for you in this world. You're not, it's not that you're failing. It's that this job is not right for you. And now I'm pivoting you in the right direction, right? It's like trying to to look at life and just pivot a little bit. Um, And it's not, and again, it's not a throwaway, nice compliment. It's literally being able to actively listen to somebody and not think about the next thing you're going to say and be in that moment. And that's where, why the word radical is in front of the word kindness. I just started to cry when you were talking because I was thinking about moments in my life where people have had to be really kind And it took a lot of strength to tell me something that they knew I did not want to hear. And it saved my life. Mm -hmm. And I think that we live in a world where people, we care so much about how people perceive us. We lose ourselves. And the last thing we do is actually show up in the moment the way we need to. Instead, we're really worried about pleasing other people. So we don't set boundaries. We're not kind to ourselves. Sometimes we don't receive. Sometimes we don't say what we need to say. And instead, we're hurting people, mostly ourselves, but sometimes other human beings who we could actually free if we could be kind and tell them the truth in the nicest way possible, just to share our truth. I don't think that ever happens enough. Like I, I don't know any scenario where it's happening enough. And I just think it's amazing that you decided to write a book on it. Yeah, I 100% agree. And it's that same feeling of like giving all of yourself to work or your friends and not having any of your resources 
or reserves for when you get home, you know, and that situation happens all the time, right? Where now I'm just like, you know, I have no patience, I'm exhausted, I can't give up myself. And yet, that's the part of the day that all I could think about, right? That's the part of the day that, you know, you want to make sure that you're not emptying the dishwasher, but you're staying in the moment with your kid, right? Because tomorrow they're 19 and in college. So you're yeah. just like, yeah, you're just God. being able to do that. And I think that like, I just, <sighs> you know, and I think from failing and living it and trying and learning is the only way that I can write um, and share. Because it's not that this is, oh, look, this is what I do. It's perfect. You know, no, I live it every day and it's messy. And I learn from failures and I'm just constantly trying to, you know, bring myself back on track. It's absolutely amazing. And it's so important. And while we're still talking about the book for one more minute, is there any steps that right now listeners can hear about that you talk about actions, small actions people could take? You said before, one of the things in terms of finding that childhood wonder is like, you know, pulling out a paintbrush or doing things like that. What about radical kindness in terms of taking better care of yourself? Any steps that people can take? Yeah, I think the self-care is probably one of the bigger things that people have been really gravitating towards and having that moment of self-care. And I think the biggest thing is that it doesn't have to be long, right? You could literally take five minutes of doing something that you love. One of the things I talk a lot about is that sense of, I hate to run, right? Or I hate to this kind of, it's finding the thing that you actually do enjoy and then do that and do it for five minutes, right? When in some sort of exercise and some sort of self-care and some sort of meditation, some sort of, you know, like finding the right moment and right thing and then figuring out how to add to those moments. Um, And then also self-care in the sense of going back to those, asking yourself the questions, kind of like what you're asking me, what part of your life defines you, right? Like trying to, to pivot and go back to what your morals and values are and what feeds you and what fulfills you and yeah. what excites you and just do more of it. You know, exactly. those are the yeah. things that we do last, you know? Yep. And just to bring it full circle as we're closing. So just in November, just recently, uh, Blues, Clues, and You came out. Can you tell us what, what that's mm-hmm. about? Yeah, so we did a reboot, which is so exciting that the family literally got together. So Steve, who's our first yeah. guy on Blues, Clues, is yeah. writing and, and directing. So anyway, the whole family came back together. And, you know, it's doing really well. It literally feels like your kid comes so home exciting. from college. You know, it just like feels so fulfilled to have it come full circle like that. Oh my God. I just love it so much. <laughs> it's like a nonstop goodness train. There's been a, just a, a record, record breaking amount of just beautiful gifts that you've given to the world. It's just really amazing. Thank you for sharing all of this and tell us where we can find you. Tell us whatever you want to send us to. Yeah. com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram and on the website. And then, of course, you know, if you wanted to follow any of the specific shows, there are all of those as well um, in terms of Nickelodeon, Netflix, Amazon, PBS, you know, so amazing, amazing different partners that we have in the networks. But in my website, angelsclues.com, I have links to all of that information and more. Thank you so much for the time. And uh, I'm just so excited that we get to share this episode with everyone. It was so good. Thank you. I love talking to Angela. I love her. She's my new friend. Okay, here are the takeaways. Number one, get a job that lets you explore what you might want to do. Get a sense of whether you love it or hate it. Number two, zag when everyone else is zigging. Number three, be in the moment, live in the moment, love that moment. 
Number four, we live in a time where if you have something to say, you have the opportunity to say it. Number five, no is just another way to yes. Number six, when you use your mind and take one step at a time, you can do anything you want to do. Number seven, sometimes it hurts to be kind, but it can be what's best for you and who you want to help. And number eight, just take five minutes to do something you love. Okay, well, today I want to share a really special win. Greg Franklin posted this in our Facebook group, and he said, Yesterday was our one-year anniversary. We have sold over 15,000 cheesecakes and thousands of cookies, gooey butter cakes, and several other things. We've been in magazines, podcasts, news shows, and of course, a book. It has been such a fun, stressful, eventful, weird, busy year. Weird people and their complaints, weddings, birthdays, new fans. We've made so many new friends and lost some. We've learned so many things. Time for a new year and new things. Greg, I just want to give you the absolute biggest shout out. The biggest congrats. Congrats for selling over 15,000 cheesecakes. Congrats for all the times you got to shine in the spotlight and tell your journey. Congrats for surviving the first year as the full-time Cheesecake Ninja. I know you're going to still see yourself as just a guy in Missouri baking cheesecakes, but trust me, it's so much more than that now. You really helped illuminate for so many people what's possible. You don't even know how inspiring you and your story is. I wish you even more growth and so many cool opportunities in your next year because you totally deserve it. And who knows, maybe we will get you a movie deal and have John C. Riley play you because the world needs to know about the rise of Greg Franklin and the Cheesecake Ninja. If you guys haven't heard Greg's story, you can listen to the episode we did with him last year. It's called How a Cheesecake Craving Led to a Calling. It's one of my absolute favorite episodes we've ever done. Go check out his new website, thecheesecakeninja.com. Greg, we love you. Okay, I also want to share a super sweet message I got from Clarissa, and she said, Hi, Kathy. I'm loving the book. The part which resonates the most right now is Susie Moore's idea that thinking is the enemy. The most important thing is simply making a decision. It's advice I give my peers and team as a coach at work. And I'm really present to the fact that I need to take my own advice. As someone who doesn't want to do the wrong thing, I tend to be cautious and that can lead to analysis paralysis. What is wrong anyway? Who says? As I reflect on 2019, it's been a breakthrough year in many ways. I made a decision to explore facilitating workshops and I executed five vision board workshops. I made a decision to be in an art show every month in in 2019 and my art was exhibited eight months of this year. I made some extra money in these endeavors and learned a lot. I also made the decision to invest in myself and I knew I would do some work with you this year, Kathy, and I did at the Glow Retreat. I also felt the same way about a few others whose course I purchased all worth it. That said, it's time to make another decision that I was too nervous to make in 2019. And that's the decision to get out there as a leadership life coach. That really came to me as I was reading your book. Kathy, I've been doing this type of work for nine years. What am I worried about? I've been very safe at work for which I'm grateful. I have an income from it and it's time to level up in 2020. These are the questions that I'm keeping top of mind. What will my life look like if I keep holding on to this need to be perfect? How different could my life be if I'm willing to be uncomfortable? What if I start where I am right now? Clarissa. Clarissa, that is so good. Thank you so much for sharing this. I'm just so proud of you. I'm just so happy. This is so good. And it really was such a gift to have been a part of this chapter in your life where you feel renewed and you feel like you're coming back home to who you are. And I love seeing how you're taking one scary step. It's just incredible to think about where you're going to be in a year. I'm so glad that the book is inspiring to help you stop overthinking it and let go of any need for perfection and just go for it. You are so much more than enough. You have so much to give. And I loved having you at the Glow Retreat. 
I cannot wait to see what beautiful magic is in store for you this year and this decade. So please keep us posted. You guys, I'd love to hear how this book has been making breakthroughs for you or getting you into action. So let us know. You can email hello at don'tkeepyourdayjob.com and we'll give you a shout out on the show. Also, we are actually doing one more retreat January 12th in the evening it begins and then all day January 13th and 14th this will be at my home a lot of fun things in store uh we have two spots left so if you'd like to be a part of that retreat you can dm me on instagram and I can tell you all of the details Remember, we're doing a really special listener win episode next week to celebrate the milestones that you've hit, the steps you've made. Maybe you hit your goal of 100 Etsy sales, or you built your side hustle enough to make a full-time income, or you made a major mindset shift. Whatever it is, I want to hear about it. You can either write in an email, or you can record a voice memo and email it to us at hello at don'tkeepyourdayjob.com with the subject line, 2019 win. I'm so excited to just hear more about what you're up to and how far you've come this year. If you want to hear the amazing episodes coming up and you don't want to miss anything, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and it would mean the world to me if you left us a rating and review. Don't forget, I'm doing a $1,000 Target gift card giveaway where we are giving away a $1,000 to Target. We are going to be choosing a winner on the 23rd. All you have to do to enter is to leave a review for the podcast if you want to get an extra entry buy my book for a friend and you can find all the details on my Instagram at kathy.heller and you can DM me a screenshot of your review to be entered into that giveaway. I love you guys. Thank you for listening. I know that you have a million things you could be doing right now with your time and you showed up here, which means the world. If you like this episode or any episode, take a second and share it with a friend because maybe, maybe it'll change their life. Maybe it'll give them a whole different year ahead. Maybe it'll change their decade. Who knows? And maybe that will then change the world. Thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you on Monday. Stronger than I've ever